program. I'm Lori Rubinson, talking sports, having fun with you here on The Fan at 877-337-6666. Phone lines are open. Connor Green, he's producing and on the phones, taking your calls, working the boards. Give him a call. You can join the program also on Twitter at L Rubinson or on threads. Lori Rubinson there. And uh, join in. I'll read off comments there as well. Great guests for you coming up. First hour, hour and 20 minutes. It's just you, me, the phones, some of your Twitter remarks, um, me and Connor, all of us hanging out. That's the first hour or so. Coming up at 1020, Brian Costello from The Post is going to join me. We'll talk about the Jets. This was the first week of Jets training camp and what is the Aaron Rodgers effect the Aaron Rodgers difference and how is that permeating Jets camp and I'll give you a fantasy football prediction that you can take to the bank regarding the Jets so that'll be at 10:20. coming up around 11 30 uh, when this Mets game goes final from Fenway on his ride home from Boston, Mike Puma from the Post, covering the Mets up there, going to call in and join and talk about the Mets as they hit the trade deadline. And also, uh, yeah, I mean, well, what the hell should the Mets be doing at this point? How do you negotiate where they are? Should they be sellers? And I want to talk to him about also some of you, by the way, the people who I'll read out some of these, but there seems to be some Mets fans that I mean, with all kindness and respect, I don't want to be insulting. But who are you people that think somehow Max Scherzer is going to turn down and walk away from a $43 million player option for next season. Those of you who think that, you give me a call. I'd like to talk to you if you think that that's something you would do or anyone would do. Let me know. I'm going to talk about that. Then coming up in the, so that's in the 11 o'clock hour. Then uh, in the 12 o'clock hour on 1220, Dan Schneier from CBSSports.com, host of a great Giants podcast, Podcast. He's going to join me on the Giants. Last week, we talked about Saquon Barkley. I had Ryan Dunleavy on in, uh, from the Post. He's been a big advocate of sort of the Saquon Barkley pro running back side of things. And Jan- Dan Schneier, more analytically driven, a little bit more of, I guess I would call it, new school. Um, and not to say that, you know, Old school is bad, but uh, but a different way of thinking about it. And so curious to get that point of view. I like to present um, all sides of an argument. So we'll talk about Saquon Barkley. We'll talk about the value of running backs in the NFL, in today's NFL, and what to do about it. I can come up with solutions. I have ideas. There was apparently a big running back, I don't know if you want to call it a summit, on Saturday, Austin Eckler, star running back from the Chargers, calling together a Zoom meeting 
of top running backs from around the league, and it included Saquon Barkley, and it included Nick Chubb, and it included Derrick Henry, and it included Josh Jacobs, and all these guys were on, and more, were on a call and representation from the Players Union trying to at least discuss what the heck is going on with the running back market because they have been devalued. It is, at this point, the franchise tag... For running backs is the lowest of any position in the entire NFL other than special teams. You got your kicker, you got your punter, you got your long snapper. That's it. Everybody else on a franchise tag, their contracts are higher and they are paid more and deemed more valuable than a running back who touches the ball a lot more than other positions. So I get it. You can be a running back carrying the ball 250 times a season. You could be a running back catching the ball with 20, 30 receptions, 40 receptions a season. And still... Your franchise tag is lower than every other position. The problem is that that is now the standard across the league. And because players running back position deemed to get hurt more likely because of all that work and usage, teams don't want to pay running backs. They want to draft the next guy and they want to move on or they want to take a committee approach. And when we see teams like the Kansas City Chiefs win a Super Bowl with a seventh-round draft pick, Isaiah Pacheco out of Rutgers, or we see a team like the Philadelphia Eagles get to the Super Bowl and be perceived as right now maybe the gold standard around the league, the Eagles, in a new-age thinking and amassing more talent on their roster and managing that maybe better than any other team in the league. And they, what do they do with their thousand yard plus running back in Miles Sanders? They wave goodbye and they move on. They trade, they draft, they pick up guys who are available and they move on. And what happens to the guys who signed the big second contracts? Well, some of them don't go well. They get cut during those contracts, like Ezekiel Elliott and Todd Gurley. Or they get traded, like Christian McCaffrey. And yeah, guys like Nick Chubb and... Derrick Henry still producing and good value there. But the conventional wisdom is the NFL has become a passing league. Yes, you need a running game, but you need good blocking and good scheme and play calling. And if you have that, you can manufacture a running game with decent running backs. You don't have to have a lead. That's the perception. That's how teams think. And that's what's hurting Saquon Barkley 
and all the other top running backs right now in that position. We'll talk about it. What should be done? What could be done for running backs? That'll be a conversation coming up at 1220. Um, Dan Schneier, CBSSports.com. And then coming up in the 1 o'clock hour, um, I will be joined by Brendan Cuddy from The Athletic on the Yankees. And the Yankees, a lot of interesting things going on right now in, in the Yankee universe. One, and this is in, well, the most interesting thing, I was about to say in no particular order, but if we're going to keep it in order, then the very most important thing that happened in the Yankee universe today happened before the game. And no, I'm not talking about Danny Hurley, <laughs> UConn men's head coach, throwing out the first pitch. I'm talking about Aaron Judge and Jonathan Lewisaga participating in a simulated game with, lo and behold, Yankees advisor, special advisor, Andy Pettit looking on. All of that was just chock full of news right there. One, Aaron Judge stood in for 16 pitches, took five swings, and did not seem to be, didn't seem to be hurt afterwards, didn't seem to be in pain afterwards. Now, we'll find out on Monday were there any ill effects? But he looked okay. He looked a little rusty. His timing might have been off. He didn't hit anything in play. He fouled some balls off. But that's all right. We're not really worried about will Aaron Judge be good when he comes back if he's healthy. So that's a huge development. Aaron Judge standing in there against live pitching in a simulated game. And that live pitching, being Jonathan Loisega, who Aaron Boone afterwards, before the game on Sunday, said that Loisega looked like he was in playoff form. If Loisega is sharp, now he's going to need some rehab, some you know appearances. You don't want to rush that back. You need to give him a spring training now of sorts in the minor leagues. But when you look ahead to the trade deadline, tell me a an impact bat that will be better than getting back Aaron Judge, the best offensive player in baseball right now. Tell me an impact reliever that will be traded that will be better than Jonathan Loisega if he's on his game and sharp. I mean, maybe there is somebody who gets traded. We'll see. But it's hard. I'm hard-pressed to think of somebody if Loisega is healthy and sharp at his best. He's one of the best. And then for starting pitching, Nestor Cortez Jr., is in the middle of a rehab assignment. So the Yankees in the next few weeks will get back, uh, assuming guys don't get hurt, will get back Aaron Judge, Jonathan Lewisaga, Nestor Cortez Jr. And that's got to be from within 
as good as you can do at the deadline. Now they supplement then and look and say, all right, do you add a bat? An outfield bat, maybe? Do you add to the bullpen? Because I think you always add to the bullpen if you can. Do you trade Esteban Florial? Because he seemed to be allergic, if you're Brian Cashman, allergic to calling him up and really giving him any opportunity at the major league level. And the Yankees swept the Royals. I know you don't deserve, nobody gets a medal for sweeping the Royals, who absolutely are abominable. They're, you know, a terrible baseball team, last place baseball team, sure. But the Yankees haven't been sweeping those sort of teams. They haven't been taking care of business. Well, they did. They got the sweep on Sunday. Lo and behold, Anthony Rizzo hit a home run for the first time in 45 games, got the silent treatment (laughs) dug out from his Yankee teammates afterwards. Went four for four. Snapped an 0 for 20 yesterday. Using no batting gloves. Got a little feel in his hands. Maybe something came back. A little muscle memory clicked in yesterday with that approach. And today he put the batting gloves back on and went four for four. So maybe Anthony Rizzo, I don't know if he's finally healed from the hip check with Fernando Tatis Jr. Or if it's just that baseball is hard and he was in a bad slump. I don't know. But Anthony Rizzo looked like Anthony Rizzo. On Sunday, DJ LeMahieu has been hitting since uh, the All-Star break. And Glaber Torres came out of the game with uh, a little strain, but a little leg strain, but apparently they're not take, sending him for tests. Sounds like it's minor. You have to hope so because he's been probably the Yankees' best and most consistent hitter in the lineup day after day, all season long. And Glaber changed the tune. I mean, if you want to say the Yankees swept on Sunday, in large part because Glaber Torres was a home run, batting second in the first inning, right away puts the Yankees out. Bauer, uh, Jake Bowers back off I.L., Maybe that's a sneaky, important player for the Yankees to get back in the lineup, get Bowers back, left-handed bat, a little more balance. Glaber hits a home run. Yankees with a lead. They go on to win. Now, look, you're playing the, the Royals, and they stink, and you're going up against a starting pitcher with an ERA over six on Sunday. So you tell me. Are you ready to say that maybe the Yankees' bats are turning a corner? Or are you telling me, pump the brakes? Because it was a stinko starting pitcher with an ERA over six. And it's the Royals. And to that, I would say, that's fair. But last Sunday night, I was here on the radio talking about the lowly Colorado Rockies and Chase Anderson, their starting pitcher, who had an ERA over six, and the Yankees couldn't touch him. So, progress. You tell me, Yankee fans.
They're two games back of the wild card. We got about a week till the trade deadline. You got internal solutions coming back. How would you approach the trade deadline? How aggressive would you be? Would you just say, let's solve from within? Would you look to make some big deals? Would you look more towards an eye for the future? Not rentals. I'll give you an example and you tell me. A rental would be Cody Bellinger from the Cubs, who's having an outstanding season. Terrific defensively, hitting for power and average this year. Left-handed bat will be a free agent in the offseason. Scott Boris client, by the way. That would be a big name, big bat to trade for. Another option would be different approach. Somebody who has control over multiple years. Somebody like a Dylan Carlson from the Cardinals. Players 24 years old, under control, about to hit arbitration for a few years. Left-handed bat, outfielder, and the Cardinals have a glut of outfielders. They have to trade somebody at some point. Everybody can't play. They need pitching. So is there a match someplace as they try and build their young pitching? Something that the Yankees could figure out there. 877-337-6666. The Jets. The Yankees. The Giants. The Mets. We're talking all about it. And if you want to talk some U.S. Open. Uh, U.S. Open. British Open. The Open Championship from Liverpool. Royal Liverpool in England. In the rain. Some dude who's about the same size as, as me and Connor. Uh, Green. Um, the dude's 5'7". I'm like almost 5'6". They list me as 5'6". I'm probably like 5'5 five, five and a half. But, uh, but I play like I'm 5'6". Um, but Brian Harmon from Georgia wins the Open Championship and his life has changed. Won a major, unbelievable story. And in an era of big hitters, guys who just bash drives, some dude who uh, is basically my size was accurate as hell and found a way to win a major. Um, Impressive. Um, Speaking of bashing things, Rafael Devers just hit a home run. Mets are losing 6-1. to one. Uh, Not their best night here um, at Fenway Park. All right. Uh, let's see. We've got John and Vincent and James and Dave. We'll be right back. We'll hop to the phones. We'll take your calls.